you guys. Kyle J, I named you as a band. Is that okay? Okay, good. Morning, Grace Life. How wonderful it is for us to dwell in unity, and hallelujah, Christ has risen from the grave. Isn't that wonderful? Um, our usual, um, take your phone, put it up there in camera mode, and focus on the QR code, and it'll take you to this page. If you remember a few weeks ago, Kyle said when you did that, it would make a noise. It'd go bloop, but I've never had that happen to me, so I don't know what he does that's special. But notice on there, there are ways to give since we don't uh, pass a collection plate here. There's a box in the back. I also, uh, I know I say this every time I'm up here, but I'm really impressed with the things that Tommy and Matt write that go in the blog. I mean, whatever you wrote on the thread, Matt, that was just the coolest reading. You could, write, you could be a writer. And I just want to ask, are you still afraid of thunderstorms? No. Okay, good. So that's a teaser for you to go read what he wrote about the thread. So it's, uh, I would encourage you to go to the blog. It's, it's really good reading. And so, as you know, as we come each week, we have a welcome. And I think after the songs that we have uh, sung this morning, maybe the welcome will make sense because you are not alone. No matter what you feel, you are not alone. Jesus is with you. And as we do all in unity, we are together as well. So you can read with me or you can just follow along. To all who mourn and need comfort, to all who are weary and need rest, to all who feel worthless and wonder if God cares, to all who fail and need strength, to all who sin and need a Savior, to all who hunger and thirst after righteousness, and to whoever else will come, Grace Life Church opens wider doors in the name of Jesus Christ and offers welcome. So you are, we are all welcomed. Um, yeah, we've already done that. So I don't think I have anything else to say. <laughs> so as uh, TJ said, Matt is going to uh, preach this morning. In the past, he's chosen some uh, dark verses in the Bible and explored them, and they've been amazing. Not so this morning. I don't know what's gotten into him. But he is going to be preaching from Colossians 1, 9 to 14. It is a prayer. So as I read this, you can pray or just follow along. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Hear the word of the Lord. Prepare your hearts to hear from Matt. Thank you, Craig. Good morning. How we doing? Good. Man, I'm excited to jump into this not-so-dark-and-dreary passage, as Craig said. <laughs> it's okay. It's true. It's kind of true. Um, but before we dive in, let's pray. Holy God, you are here with us right now. 
Lord, thank you for the time of singing worship to you and just reminding us that you are not dead anymore. You are alive, and your power is just as strong as it's ever been, and you're with us, Lord. May we just continue worshiping by diving into your word, by anchoring ourselves to your truth, and by exploring this prayer from the Apostle Paul. Lord, bless our time together. May you be glorified. May we make a big deal about you and not about us. God, may you be honored. Amen. Man, I am, I'm excited to be here, man. Uh, yesterday actually marked exactly one year since I graduated seminary up in North Carolina. And honestly, it feels like over a year ago. We were talking about yesterday. It's kind of been a long year. Um, not necessarily in a bad way. Um, a lot's happened this year. Um, we moved here, obviously. We are about to have our second child, and Alexa has just, she gets really sick in her pregnancy, so all has been just a storm of craziness. But, man, I was just thinking and reflecting yesterday that I just, I landed my dream job, man, like right out of seminary, and I'm just grateful for that. So I, hopefully you guys know, like, I love being here. This is literally my dream job. And there's nothing else I'd rather do. Um, but believe it or not, not everyone at seminary, not everyone's dream job is to work at a local church. Um, I had a friend, and when he was in seminary, he was talking to his classmate. And my friend goes, you know, this is just the question you ask everybody. It's an easy starter to a conversation. You're like, so what do you want to do when you're done? And his classmate goes, do you know Louis Giglio? And my friend goes, yeah, I know Louis Giglio. For those of you who don't know, Louis Giglio is a pretty popular Christian speaker and preacher, and he does the Passion Conference where there are football stadiums full of people, like thousands upon thousands of people, and he preaches. So anyways, uh, my friend's classmate goes, you know Louis Giglio? I want to do that. And my friend is like, wow, I'm glad you've set your expectations low, and you've, you've set the bar nice and, uh, nice and steady for you. Um, but we all have a dream job, right? Whether it's Louis Giglio or pastoring at a local church, or some people, this still blows my mind. Have you heard of vlogging? Vloggers with a V? So these people, it, it blows my mind. These people record themselves. They have a camera, and they just record their day, and they're just like eating breakfast and going to the grocery store, and I don't, whatever else their day holds, they record it, and then they post it on YouTube. But what's even more crazy to me is that people go and watch these videos, right? It's insane, and that's their job. They, they're vloggers, so we all have our dream job. Maybe it's recording yourself, brushing your teeth, and whatever. But we all have this sense of a dream job. Maybe you have a dream school or a college you want to go to, a dream house you want to buy, a dream husband, a dream wife, whatever. And we all have a dream church, hence the fancy title up there. So before we dive into Colossians 1, I want to ask you, what is your dream church? What does it look like? Is it a place where you come and you consume and you receive and, and the music is just right? It's, it's, it's edgy and modern and cool. Or maybe your preference is it's old and hymnals and it's just, it fits your taste perfectly. And then your kids have a ton of fun in their classes and the church puts on incredible events and you don't really have to do anything. You just come and enjoy or maybe your dream church is a place where you go to feel better about yourself. And the pastor, he just tells you about how awesome you are, and he never wants to step on your toes, and 
It's a good self-esteem boost every week. Or maybe your dream church is a place where everybody looks exactly the same. And we all vote the same. We all send our kids to the same school. Or we don't send them to school. We homeschool. Or we all look the same, same social class, same whatever. What is your dream church? Or maybe, if you're a little bit more cynical, you're just thinking, can the dream church even exist? In our, in our, our cultural moment right now of gotcha journalism and harsh tweets and cancel culture, it seems like everywhere you look, there's a church that's just being torn apart. Another leader has fallen. Another scandal is uncovered. And you're just wondering, like, can any of us survive? It feels... Honestly, it, it, it can be discouraging. It feels like every church lives under this microscope and the world's just waiting for us to mess up and they'll, see, they'll just say, see, it's not real, it's not true. So can the dream church even exist? So Colossians, this book will be in this morning. It's a letter written by the Apostle Paul. If you've been in church for any time, you probably know who that is. He's, he was a church planner. Right? He started new churches, he spent his life pouring into them, watering them, and he saw God bring incredible growth. I mean, it turned the world upside down, as it says in Acts. So, so Paul, if anybody knows what the dream church can look like, it would be Paul. And so he's writing to this church in Colossae. Uh, what's funny is he actually didn't plant this church. He heard about this church that his friend planted, so when he heard about it, he uh, wrote them a letter. He wanted to teach them, to encourage them, to protect them from some false beliefs that were going around. And he starts off the letter with this prayer. And he could have prayed anything for them. But this prayer just beautifully outlines what the dream church could look like. And we'll look at five things that he prays for this church in Colossians 1, 9-14. So I'm going to read it again, and you can see I've underlined the certain things that Paul prays for, and it'll help us kind of break down the passage and and understand it. So I'm going to read it again. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So we'll break it down to five main points. I know sermons usually have three points, but... This one has five, all right? So we'll be here an extra 27 minutes, but that's okay. Um, can we, we'll, hopefully this is just a helpful, maybe some handlebars if you, if you need to uh, know where we're going before we go there. You can refer to this so that you don't get lost in, uh, in all the details. So here, Paul prays, may you be filled, may you walk worthy, may you bear fruit, be strengthened, and give thanks. This is what will make the dream church. You ready to dive in? Let's do it. All right. Paul prays, may you be filled. Filled with what? We're all full of something, right? May we be filled. He prays three things he wants 
And, and obviously this prayer is not just from Paul. He's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is God's words to us today, just as much as it was to the Colossians. So what does the Lord want us to be filled with? Filled with, first, the knowledge of God's will. That raises another question. What is God's will? It's, that's just a, a phrase that means, what is God's desire for us? What does he want for us? And in another letter, thankfully, Paul lays out pretty plainly what the will of God is. Check this out. In 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul says, For this is the will of God. Very clear, right? What is it? What's the will of God? Your sanctification. And that's just a fancy word meaning being set apart, being made holy, becoming more and more like Jesus. And then he goes on to say it's, it's abstaining from sin and, and it's putting on good works. And he, he finishes that passage saying, For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. The Apostle Peter also tells us what God's will is in 1 Peter 2.15. For this is the will of God, that by doing good works, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. So let's be filled with the knowledge of God's will. What is God's will? It's us aligning our lives to the beautiful design that he's given us in his word. This, this Bible is full of commands. It's full of stories and principles. And God lays out what the, the perfect design for the human life is. And so his will is for us to align our lives with that. But it goes beyond that. It's not just knowing his will. It's being filled with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. The NIV translates it this way. Uh, the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So it goes beyond just simple rule following, right? It's, God's will is more than just following a list of do's and don'ts. It's, it's getting a grasp on why the Lord wants that. It's enjoying His beautiful design for our life. And thirdly, it's being filled with the knowledge of God Himself. If you look down in verse 10... After it says, bearing fruit, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So in order to know someone's will and their desire, it helps if you know them really well. For example, my wife, I swear to you, I'm not making this up. Most of the time, if not all the time, she knows what I want or what I need before I even know it. So I, something weird about me, I get antsy and a little stir-crazy if we're in the house for a long time. And she'll pick up on it because I'll start to get a little bit irritable or melancholy or something. And she'll say, babe, get out of the house. She'll be like, go on a walk. Uh, let's go to the store. Go to the gym. Something. Like, you need to get out of here. And I say, yes, ma'am. And because she knows me so well. She knows me better than myself. She knows me better than I know myself. And so it helps her know what I want or what I need. And obviously, we can't know God better than he knows himself. But the point is, the better we know him, himself, the more we'll be able to navigate and understand what his will is. So the dream church is full of people who are filled. Next, walk worthy. May you walk in a manner that's worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. So we have to know God's will in order to live God's will. Paul doesn't just pray for knowledge, for information's sake. He prays it for living's sake, right? Right information helps lead to right behavior. It's not a guarantee, but it helps, right? 
Once we know the right thing, it helps us carry out the right behavior. Uh, on Thursday night at the men's gathering, Tommy was talking about blind spots. That was our discussion for the night, whether they're spiritual blind spots, social, personal blind spots. And he brought up an old cigarette ad, an ad campaign from a while ago. And the tagline said, the smooth taste expectant mothers crave. <laughs> Literally, it was, you can look it up. It was a, an ad campaign targeted at pregnant women for a cigarette company. Now, once the knowledge came that maybe that's not the best thing for the mom and baby, then their ad campaign switched, right? They changed course. So right knowledge helps lead to right behavior. So we know that God's will is for us to align ourselves with his will, to do good works, to, to be obedient to what he says. And so, in what manner should we walk? If that's God's will, how should, then, how should we then live? Okay? That's the question. And you would think by obeying, right? We should walk in a manner of, of obedience because that's the will of God. And yes, that is absolutely true. But Paul makes sure that we're not relying on that obedience for our salvation or for putting ourselves in a right standing with God. He actually, he, he actually points us somewhere else first, and then we get to obedience. So check this out. Stay with me here. We're going to flip the page a couple times, but I know you guys can handle it. All right, if you flip to Colossians 2.6. So we're asking the question, in what manner should we walk? How should we live? Look at Colossians 2, verse 6. Paul says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. All right, so we need to walk in the same way that we received him. How did we receive him? Let's see how the Colossians received him. Flip back over to chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. This is so cool. I'm just going to nerd out here for a second. Read uh, 1-4. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. So they received Christ in faith and hope and in love. That's the manner we're supposed to walk. Because the Bible tells us the only thing that's fully pleasing to God is faith. Hebrews eleven sixteen says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, don't get me wrong. This doesn't nullify the fact that we need to obey. This is what Tommy's been preaching on in Romans 6 and 7. So it, because we're walking in a manner of faith and hope and love, that doesn't cancel out obedience. Look at Galatians, not look at, I'll read Galatians 5, 16. This is a very familiar passage. And it shows that walking by faith, walking in the Spirit, still leads to obedience and righteous living. Paul says, but I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. That's Romans 7. Tommy's going to preach on something very similar to that coming up. He goes on, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And listen to this last sentence. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So how do we walk in a manner that's worthy of the Lord? 
that's fully pleasing to him, we have to die. We have to die to ourselves. The dream church is full of dead people. You know what I mean? People who are dead to ourselves, dead to our sin, dead to the law. And Paul says this in Colossians. We don't even have to go to a different letter. Colossians 3, verse 3. Paul says, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The, the dream church is full of dead people, but we have been given new life in the Spirit. The dream church is full of people who are fully alive, united with Christ and in his life. So we are dead, but we are fully alive. So thirdly, may you bear fruit. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So as we walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, we know that's walking by faith, walking in step with the Spirit. And we know that the Spirit, in Galatians 5, it bears fruit. He bears fruit in us and through us. And Paul connects this idea of bearing fruit with increasing in the knowledge of God. And he's already connected these two things, bearing fruit and increasing or growing. Look back up to chapter 1, Colossians 1, verse 6. He's talking about the gospel itself. This is really cool too. The gospel which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world, it is doing what? Bearing fruit and growing. In Greek, that's the same word. Bearing fruit and growing, bearing fruit and increasing. So we don't bear fruit and grow because we try really hard and we're really awesome and we have, we have it all together. We bear fruit and we grow because the very gospel itself is bearing fruit and growing among us. If you want to bear fruit, you've got to have gospel roots. We never graduate from the gospel. We can never move past that. We can never get over it. We have to keep the main thing the main thing. So the dream church knows that the gospel, the fact that God loves us so much, he sent his son to die for us, and he rose again. That story, that truth, the dream church knows that's how it got here. That's how it's staying alive, and that's where it's going. It's all about that central message. So when we live in this gospel wakefulness, when we know that we are dead to ourselves and we're alive in Christ, that's when we can really start to bear fruit in the Spirit. Paul goes on in Colossians to say that we, he uses the language of putting off and then putting on. It's an image of changing clothes. He says we put off our old self. We put off these sins and these uh, destructive habits and all these things, but we put on the fruits of the Spirit. We put on compassionate hearts. Ultimately, we put on love. We're changing our clothes. We are dead. We, we die to ourselves. When we die, we're making room for Christ to live in us. It's getting us out of the way and letting Christ step in. So we're taking ourselves off and we're putting Christ on. So the dream church is full of gospel fruit and gospel growth. So we're three points in, right? Be filled with knowledge, walk worthy, bear fruit, produce. And if we're not careful, we can take those three things, and it, it sounds a little bit similar maybe to what corporate America would tell you. you got to know everything, and you got to not mess up. Walk in a manner that's worthy. We can't get our business into a scandal, and make sure you produce. 
know everything, be good, produce, and you'll be fine. But there's two more points. If, if the dream church was this shiny new car, and it looks good, and it's awesome, then these last two points are the fuel that we put into the car. Because without them, we wouldn't be going anywhere. So it might look good on the outside, it might look pretty, but it's not going to work. So, the last two points, the fuel, what fuels the dream church? It's the strength of God, the power of God, and the gospel, giving thanks for what God has done for us. So may you be strengthened. Being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. So if we're asking ourselves, how in the world can we do these first three things? It has to be through the power of God. It cannot be relying on ourselves. It has to be the power of God. Because Paul knows, as he's writing this letter, he knows a lot of stuff is going to try to get in the way of these believers living and building this dream church. Our own sin and flesh, the enemy, this world. Jesus himself promises suffering to those who follow him. So Paul knows there's going to be a lot trying to get in your way. And you can only do this. You can only pursue gospel growth through the power of God. And we need this power to give us endurance and patience with joy. His strength will be the thing that holds us up. This, this made me think of, so I have a two-year-old son, and uh, a lot of times I'll ask him to help me do things around the house, and he's always down. He loves it. So yesterday, uh, we had his kiddie pool in the backyard, full of water, and it was time to empty it out, right? So it's those plastic ones, and to get it out, you just kind of have to lift it and dump the water out, right? So I was like, Haddon, come here, help, help Daddy uh, dump this out. And he goes, okay, Dad. I'm already Dad. Like, he's only two. Like, Daddy, Dada, that's gone. He's like, you're just Dad. I'm like, okay, that's fine. He's adorable. So he comes over, and I'm like, all right, one, two, three, and he's, he's so cute. He's like, Rah! and he's like trying his best. He's lifting it, and then we dump it out together, right? So I could, have, I could have done this without him, but I invited him in to do it with me, and he's, it's not like he's just sitting there watching me. Like, he's exerting his effort. He's trying. He's doing this thing, but obviously, dad's power is what's getting the job done. Does that make sense? So in a similar way, it's, it's obviously not exactly the same, in a similar way, that's what God's power is. It's not that we need God's power so that we can just sit on the sideline and watch God do his thing. No, he invites us in, and we are putting forth our effort to grow in knowledge, to walk worthy, to bear fruit, all these things. Oh, this almost fell off. So we are putting forth our effort, but it's going to be the power of God that actually does it. And so the difference is I was beside my son doing this. The difference is the Holy Spirit is inside of us, working through us. He's, it's his power getting the job done. And we need that power. Paul prays for all power according to his glorious might. So we need all the power of the Almighty God. That's a lot of power. And that is the power that raised Jesus from the dead. And that's the power, the same power that lives in us. So we use that power to endure, as Paul prays, to endure, to have patience, to continue living righteously in this current world. You know, we all have 
all kinds of dreams, as we talked about at the beginning, the dream house, the, the dream job, the dream wife or husband. But if we're honest, we live in a nightmare world. There's trouble, pain, suffering, pandemics, all kinds of nightmares surround us all the time. Not to mention that Jesus promised the world is going to hate us because it hated him. So with all these things surrounding us, we, we are going to need the power of God. So the dream church has God's power so that we're able to endure in a nightmare world. The dream church can survive in a nightmare world. So the first kind of fuel is God's power. The second kind of fuel is God's grace and our gratitude for that grace. Paul prays, may you be giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. So what are we grateful for? It's the fact that we have been qualified. Without the Father, without the gospel, we're not even qualified to be a part of this type of community, the church. But he has reached out, he's brought us in, he's adopted us as sons and daughters, and with that, we have this guarantee of an inheritance. What's our inheritance? Ultimately, it's God himself. We get God. One day we will be fully in his presence. We will have all of our sin and our struggles and pain totally gone, and we get to enjoy him. We'll be ruling and reigning with him. It's going to be beyond anything we could ever imagine. That's, that's what he has adopted us. It's, the gospel is not just about what happened back then. It is, but it's also about what he's going to win for us. We look back at Jesus. We look forward to full redemption, to full restoration and glorification. So as we wait with hope for that inheritance, we can remain joyful and grateful. So no matter what this life takes from us, no matter what the enemy throws at us, we will still have a reason to be thankful. You may have heard this math equation before, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. There's a song that uh, me and my wife and our son listen to on repeat, probably five times a day. I'm not kidding you. We had this tough season in North Carolina, and it was, it was Promises by Maverick City Music, if you've heard that. And at one point, the lady singing, she keeps repeating, I've got a reason to bless you. I have a reason to bless you. I've still got a reason to bless you. You've been faithful. You've been so good to me. So no matter what life throws at you, trust me, you've got a reason to be grateful. One theologian said it like this. Our, um, he says, thanksgiving leads to thanks living. So it's not just that we're grateful in our minds. It actually expresses itself in how we live. And another quote I came across, this one's pretty incredible. They said, the Christian life is an unrestrainable outburst of joy, praise, and thanksgiving in which all that the believer says and does is an expression of grateful worship of an all-supreme Lord who has provided an all-sufficient salvation. So at the Dream Church, the theology is grace and the ethic is gratitude. So what does that mean? Our theology is grace. That means what we believe about God, what we teach, 
Everything is centered and focused on the grace of God and the love that he has for us and the gospel message. That's our theology. Our theology is grace, and so our ethic, the way we live our lives, the reason for why we do things, it's all out of gratitude. So how do we remain grateful? It's by remembering God's grace. And the second our theology departs from that, trust me, it will affect the way we live. Let me throw out some other potential, uh, what's the word, equations. Our theology is grace, our ethic is gratitude. Let's say we replace grace with, with other things. Where will it get us? Our theology is wrath and our ethic is fear. Don't hear me wrong, God has wrath. God is a God of justice. But that is, the gospel message is driven by his love. God has wrath, but God is love. The, God, the theology of grace does not ignore wrath because, listen to this next one, if our theology is cheap grace, if we just remove wrath altogether, our ethic will be apathy. Our, if our theology is man, our ethic will be pride and legalism. But no, our, ethic, our theology is grace and our ethic is gratitude. This is why Paul, in, in verses 13 and 14, he throws in this gospel summary. He says, God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We have been freed from the dark, tyrannical rule of sin and shame and wickedness. We've been set free from that. And we are now in the kingdom of light of Jesus Christ, of the beloved Son. And that is enough fuel for us to do just about anything. We can't get over that. We cannot move on from that. We have been redeemed and we have been forgiven. And so that translates into us living in gratitude. And we know that grateful people are just the best people to be around. Let's say you go out to lunch today after church and you're at the restaurant. Would you rather have one waiter who is just thankful to even have a job? They love showing up to work. They love their boss, and they're trying their best because they're just grateful that they can even be here. Or would you rather have a waiter who hates their job, who hates their boss, who wishes they had something better to go to work to, blah, blah, blah. Who's going to serve your table better? Who's going who's to give you a more pleasant dining experience? probably the grateful waiter, right? And that's us in the kingdom. We, we live, we, we're filled with knowledge, we walk worthy and we bear fruit because we're so grateful for what the Lord has done for us. So the dream church is full of joyful and grateful people who never get over the gospel. So the big question, can, does the dream church exist or can it even exist? Is that possible? I believe Paul shows us that the dream is a little bit closer to reality than we might think. If you look at this prayer, he does not portray a perfect church. He shows a church that's growing, that's learning, that's rehearsing the gospel. None of us will be perfect, that's obvious. Before Jesus comes or before we are called to him, we're not going to be perfect. But we can commit to gospel growth and learning and growing. And the church, the dream church of today, although it may not be perfect, it looks forward to the perfect church of tomorrow. 
because we will be made perfect one day. That day is coming. We will one day be fully sanctified, glorified, made holy, set apart. And I believe if we keep this in mind now, it will help us in our pursuit of these things. Because right now, one definition of sanctification I've heard is this, and I I really like it. Sanctification is the process of becoming who we already are in Christ. So Jesus has declared us righteous. Like we are made right with the Father because His righteousness and His life has been imparted to us. So in the in-between now, we are in the process of becoming more and more like Him. We're becoming more and more like who He's already made us to be. And just one thing that I think is really cool to reflect on, not just for a fun thought experiment, but because I do believe it will affect the way we treat one another. Think about this. One day, we will all get to hang out with and fellowship and worship with a fully redeemed, sanctified, glorified Michael and Lisa Wyckoff or Mike Priest or fill in the blank. So as we have our disagreements and our struggles today, let's look forward to who they will become in Christ. One day they will not struggle with those things anymore. That can help give us endurance and patience with one another. And obviously ourselves too. Like it will give us patience with ourselves. Like I know none of us are where we need to be, but one day we will be. And in the meantime, we're going to pursue this holiness and this bearing fruit and walking together. And we're going to affirm one another that I see Jesus growing you. He's making you more like himself. And I want to help you in that pursuit. We can link arm in arm and do this together. So the Dream Church keeps that in mind. We encourage one another to keep pursuing Christ, walking in the Spirit as He molds us more and more into His image. So how can Grace Life become the Dream Church? We might be closer than you think. We all know we, obviously, we won't be perfect, but we can commit together to gospel growth and love and progress. So this week, let's get practical. How can we pursue this being the dream church together. Just a couple things. For one, let's pray this, Colossians 1, 9-14, over us as a church. Sometimes the best things to pray are the very words of God given to us. And this is a prayer of blessing. Let's bless one another with this prayer. Or maybe you can practice gratitude this week. Uh, maybe you're sitting around the dinner table with your family, and you just all go around and say one thing you're grateful for. Super simple, easy practice, but it can reset our hearts and our minds back onto the goodness of God. Or you could do that in a prayer uh, gratitude journal, just three things I'm grateful for in the last 24 hours. It'll get our minds churning and being grateful to God. Another one, preach the gospel to yourself every day this week. And I'll get even more practical. Let's this is not, I'm not trying to set a new rule. This is not Bible. It's just a fun challenge. What if we did gospel before phone? Before you check this thing, your email, your social media, your news feed, whatever. What if before you even turn this thing on, you just rehearse the gospel and you remembered the love that God has for you, the, the sacrifice Jesus made for you, the fact that the Holy Spirit lives in you, the amount of humility and confidence and love that will produce in you, 
Like, what if that was our introduction to the day instead of this? <laughs> Let's preach the gospel to ourselves. All right, lastly, this is a shameless plug here, okay? Grace Life, we're going to start doing what are called grow classes, okay? So this, every summer, our community groups take a break, and now we're going to start offering what we're going to call grow classes. This summer, we're just going to have one, and it's going to be focused on habits of grace or spiritual disciplines, just daily practical ways we can reawaken to the presence of God and enjoy our relationship with Jesus. So if you're looking for a way like, man, I want to pursue this with people, let's get together, let's get growing, consider signing up for the grow class. Tommy will say some more about that in the announcements. But last thing, I promise, final thing. The dream church never stops inviting people into the new kingdom. We are citizens of the new kingdom, as Paul said in those last two gospel verses. We are representatives of that king in the new kingdom. We are ambassadors. That's a word we love to use here at Grace Life. That's why the church is here, to keep inviting, to keep seeing God rescue. The gospel never stops. It's always inviting. So maybe you're here, you've never been here before, you've been here a couple of times, and you're like, man, that, that sounds like something I want to be a part of. I want to be rescued from that dark dungeon of sin and I want to be transferred into that kingdom of light. The invitation is wide open. You don't have to be dreamy to be a part of the dream church, right? You just have to be needy. You have to admit, I need healing. Jesus, I need your salvation from my sins. And trust me, Jesus, he will welcome you into his church with arms wide open. So let's pursue this together. Let's pray this over not just Grace Life, the churches in our entire community, and see how the Lord will use us through his power as we rehearse his grace and as we live out in gratitude. Let's pray. God, thank you for, for prayers that you give us in your word that help guide what we can ask of you and what you can build your church into, a place where we are growing in knowledge, where we are walking in a manner that's fully pleasing to you, and we're bearing fruit, and we're producing, and all of that is fueled by your power and by your grace and our gratitude for what you've done. God, help us pursue this together in humility, knowing that we're not special. It's all your love and grace, and we just want to serve you. We, we don't want to put ourselves on some sort of pedestal saying, look at us and how holy we are. It's God, may our church just be a sign that points to Jesus. May we get out of the way. May we decrease as you increase, Lord. Help us this week to rehearse your gospel, to never get over it. Because you are so good and you are so loving, Lord. God, we love you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So Kyle and TJ are going to lead us in what we call our Selah song. Just a time of reflection, of worship. And I would invite you, if you have a need to, to pray over, if you're curious about what joining this new kingdom looks like, we have a prayer team in the back. They would love to just talk with you and pray over you. Um, if not, just sit in your seat, reflect on the love God has for you, and we'll worship together as they lead us.
God, we just praise you. Just being good to us, Father. 
Father, that you do have a plan for your church, Father God. And I just pray that you would continue to, to strengthen us, Father, and to lead us in a way that is going to glorify your name, Father. There are so many distractions and things that happen in churches all the time, Father, but you have brought us here, Father, just to, to put you on the altar, Father, to walk in the light and to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, Father. I just pray that you would just allow us to model the family of Christ, the family of you, Father, the way you want us to, Father, that we would move ourselves out of the way and stand on the side, Father, and we would just pursue you wholly, Father, allow you to soften our hearts towards people when we need it. Father, just to glorify your name that is not about us, but that you are on that throne, Father, and sometimes we need to just get out of the way, Father, and we just praise you and we love you for pursuing us, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, TJ and Kyle, and thank you, Matt. Appreciate that word. Are you glad you came to Grace Life today? I was encouraged just to remember that God loves it when we pray for the most precious thing to him, his bride, the church, that's you and me. If somebody tells you, if you're married and somebody tells you, hey, I'm praying for your wife, doesn't that bless you? I know it blesses her, and it would bless you to know somebody's lifting us up. Every time you pray, you are, in, in a sense, if you want to think of it this way, uh, if somebody who loves you so much, gave you a million dollars, and they want you to spend it, every time you pray, you're, you're, you're cashing another check. You're making, you're making another withdrawal. That's what prayer is. It's, it's a benefit of the finished work of Jesus. He came. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross. He rose from the grave so that we can be in God's presence. And every time you spend time in God's presence, you're saying thank you for what Jesus did. He secured that for you. He bought that for you. He won that for you. So you praying does not, I've heard people say, you know, I would pray, but I don't want to bother God. Oh, please, don't, don't, don't think of prayer that way. On, on, on the contrary, God delights, the Bible says, in the prayers of his children. So thank you, Matt, for just an encouragement to me to pray more and to pray for the bride uh, of Christ, for his church, and, and to pray rightly, to pray his words back to him, um, to be filled, to walk worthy, to bear fruit, to be strengthened, and to give thanks. Um, well, listen, we have a few announcements before we do our Grace Life Charge and, and take off today. So I think we got some slides that, that will help me go through this. Uh, number one, Fifth Sunday service is coming up in two weeks from today. There, there's about three or four Fifth Sundays in every year, and we've made it a Grace Life rhythm, a Grace Life habit. When a Fifth Sunday comes on the calendar, we have an outdoor service. It's more family-oriented. We don't offer child care. Uh, every family's for itself. The service is a little bit shorter. The sermon is a little bit shorter, I promise. And it's more kid-friendly. We do this for children and for families. But we also uh, celebrate baptisms. We celebrate new life on that day. And I think we have some candidates coming up to be baptized. And this is a reminder some of you maybe have never been baptized. You've given your life to Christ. You've believed the gospel. You've repented. You've trusted Jesus uh, maybe there, you've lacked clarity on what the, the Bible says about the next step for you. It would be to publicly identify with Jesus and to say, I am not ashamed to call myself a child of God now. He's, God is my Savior. Jesus is my, my Lord, and I, wanna, I want the whole world to know, and I'll start with my church. So if that's you, if you need to be baptized, please connect with me. I'll, I'll give you my email in just a minute. Uh, send me an email. Uh, call the church office and we'll set up a, a, a quick interview and we'll, we'll get that out of the way and get you baptized. Uh, God wants that for you. That's a, the next step of obedience after your conversion. But we have baptisms on that day and we also introduce new members. And this will be a, a, another opportunity. Some of you 
are at a place where you've maybe been attending or you've been watching uh, online. You say, you know what? I know God wants me to, to join his body. The, the church is just simply an expression of the body of, of Christ, and he wants us to align ourselves with that, and I believe he wants us to do that formally. And uh, this is a covenant community, and we make... We, we, we dedicated some children last Sunday. Was last Sunday Mother's Day or the day before that? I lose track. And that was a public covenant ceremony that we were pledging these children to God. And we were pledging as a covenant community to pray for them, to help their parents, partner with their parents. And when you join a church, that's actually a covenant as well. It's not a contract. That's what the world would do as long as your goods and services meet my expectations, we're good. Uh, no, a covenant is... These are my people. I pledge myself to God and to them, no matter what, till death do us part kind of thing, or till you move, you know, change zip codes, whatever. There, there is a good reason to change churches. You know, it's not a cardinal sin. Um, so anyway, on fifth Sunday, we, we, baptize, new mem- we baptize new Christians, uh, and we celebrate new life in that way, and then we also recognize new members. So if you need to be baptized or you're ready to join the church, please connect with me. Um, we're going to have actually a membership class next Sunday at 12 o'clock. So we're going to go through some of the material. We, we actually give this book. There's a copy. It's a free gift from us to you. If you're considering church membership, look how thin this book is. I could actually throw it out there as a free gift to somebody, right? This is the first thing we hand people. Say, hey, just give this book a read. And uh, we go through some of the material in here at the new membership class, and we give you the opportunity to ask questions. Sometimes people are scared to join a church, and they say, oh, my goodness, what does it mean? What am, I, what am I signing up for here? Am I giving my life away? And so we give you the opportunity to ask us questions, and we ask you some questions, too, about your journey, how you came to know Jesus in a saving way. So that membership class is next Sunday at 12 o'clock. But here's the thing. Uh, you, have to, you have to register for it. We, we want to have enough food, lunches included. We want to know who's coming. So please register, and you can do it in three ways. Okay, first, you can come and grab me after the service. Be gentle. You can grab my arm or something and say, hey, I want to come to the membership class, and I will write your name down, and you can consider yourself registered. That's the old school way. Or if you want to think about it, you can send an email to me this week at, here's the email address. Are you ready? Pastor at GraceLifeFlorida.com. Really easy. Pastor at GraceLifeFlorida.com. Or you can send it to serving at GraceLifeChurch, GraceLifeFlorida.com, or contact at GraceLifeFlorida.com. Maybe you can remember one of those. Uh, That's the way you register for it. So next slide. Or what? Or you can scan the QR code and sign up digitally. we got tons of... Listen, if you want to join this church, there's no excuse, okay? <laughs> it's easy to connect. So uh, the next one, that's kind of hard to read, but what that says is student ministry gatherings. It was on the first Sunday and I think the third Sunday of every month, and that's today, May 15th. It's time for the students to gather, and, and Matt has planned a really exciting evening from 6 to 8 at Dewey Park today. Uh, going to have some, uh, a game night, some field games. You don't want to miss that. So from 6 to 8, if you need help knowing where that is, Matt just preached. So you can grab him afterwards or his lovely wife, Alexa, and you can uh, get with them on the details or you can connect to the church app and figure that out from 6 to 8 today. And I think, is that it? Is that all the announcements for today? The Grow Classes, he mentioned that. Uh, these are classes we're going to host on Thursday nights. The community groups take a break every summer. So on Thursday nights from 6.30 to 8, we're going to 
uh, host grow classes, and it's how you can cultivate, I think he already told you what it was, cultivate spiritually healthy habits or cultivate healthy spiritual habits. How do you enjoy Jesus through the spiritual disciplines? We're going to go through uh, <clears throat> some curriculum that I think you're going to find exciting and helpful too, and it's one of the ways to connect with what he was preaching from Colossians 1. So you'll hear more information about that and how you can join in the weeks to come. That's all the announcements we have today. I do have a request. Um, if you have helped break down and put away some of the stuff in the back, we actually need your help today. We're a little short-handed. Um, my father-in-law, it was his turn to do that, and he, he hurt his knee really bad over the weekend. He's going to have to have surgery. So he texted me early this morning and said, man, I'm really sorry. I can't can't show up. He loves to do that. So could you lend us a hand uh, after the children get picked up uh, from the classes? Can you pop back there and, and, and we'll all collectively put the stuff together? Uh, we'll greatly appreciate that. All right, stand to your feet. We're going to do our Grace Life Charge. It's not where we charge you for the sermon. That's free, actually. Here's what it is, just so you don't think this is a cult. We want to remind ourselves every single Sunday that all we have done this morning, we've gathered to be edified and to be equipped for the work of the ministry, and now the work of the ministry is waiting for us out there. We are all ambassadors. Uh, we are, are, are called to go out there and invite people to be a part of God's kingdom. We're witnesses, right? We're not experts. We're witnesses. We have seen, heard, and experienced the saving work of Jesus Christ, and now there is a dying world out there that desperately needs what God has given us. So through the power of the Holy Spirit, Let's go out there and do it. This is our reminder every single week, so you can say it with me. You ready? I am a witness. I have been called to minister to my neighborhood in both word and deed. God has given me his word to equip me, his spirit to empower me, and his love to motivate me. I pledge my life for the gospel. You have been sent. God bless you, and we'll see you at a community group or next Sunday.